This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. This is Shannon Burning, Books Editor for Knowledge at Wharton and Executive Editor for Wharton Digital Press. I'm happy to be here today to talk with David New, author of Careercation, Trading Briefcase for Suitcase to Find Entrepreneurial Happiness. David, let's start with the title. What is Careercation? Well, Careercation is a bit of a play on words um, between um, career plus vacation, so mashing it together is Careercation. It's just the idea that, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't want to wait till you know, it's like 67 and a half or whatever and getting Social Security and having a lot of uh, time on my hands, but not a lot of health. So I thought, well, instead of uh, you know taking the traditional route that society expects of me, you know, that I was just going to break up my retirement throughout my career and then take longer um, vacations throughout to really recharge and refresh and get different perspectives instead of saving it for you know my uh, old age. And you decided to go on a careercation um, very recently. Where did you go, and what was it that you hoped to accomplish? Yes. So um, I went in 2012, and um, we ended up, uh, it was my, my, me, my wife, at that time my 10-month-old daughter, uh, we sold everything we owned, we stuffed the rest of our belongings in storage, and we bought one-way tickets to New Zealand to start. And uh, so I uh, started out in New Zealand and then ended up going to Australia, Korea, China, Vietnam, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and then back to the U.S. And um, for my trip, Shannon, I had uh, two basic um, goals for my careercation. One was to uh, create some amazing shared family memories of my young family since I had just gotten married and had a baby daughter in really quick succession. So I really wanted to focus on enjoying, you know, they say that kids go grow so quickly. So I really wanted to uh, um, uh, enjoy that part and make some great memories. And then the second part was I had been an entrepreneur ever since I dropped out of Wharton, um, you know, over a, a decade ago. And I, I was, um, my most recent company, I had started two companies prior to the careercation, and my second one, I was just feeling really, really burnt out. So what I wanted to do uh, wherever we went is I wanted to interview CEOs and entrepreneurs about best practices when it came to running their business, but um, in particular around leadership, culture, and managing people. So um, those were the two goals um, that I had in mind, which was, you know, create, create some amazing shared family memories, and so... Um, kind of recharge and figure out what my next steps were going to be. You ultimately spoke to 30 entrepreneurs. What themes arose in those conversations? Yeah. Uh, well, I, it was funny because when I was talking to these entrepreneurs and, you know, I would talk about best practices, and then when it came to culture and managing people, uh, one that really popped out regardless of size, regardless of location, or regardless of industry was managing people is hard. So, you know, I started out with um, some kind of Western um, kind of uh, management philosophy uh, countries such as uh, New Zealand, Australia. So I was really interested to go to um, Korea and uh, China to see if they had that same type of challenge, and there was. So that was one of the things that um, really popped out was that, you know, managing people is hard. And then the second corollary that um, I found was really interesting is that the companies that had the best cultures was that the CEO or the entrepreneur who I was in interviewing was the happiest. The ones that were complaining the most uh, usually had um, a really uh, poor culture and um, you know, had a lot of difficulties that they wanted to work on. So it was really interesting to me to see how they were um, interrelated. So not only uh, did it make sense to me to 
intrinsically have a great culture, so you have better retention, you have happier people, more productive people, but ultimately, it also makes the, the CEO or the, or the manager um, happier to go into work when you know they're seeing people who are happy. One of the things that you saw was that one of the particular pain points for managers or leaders of these organizations was the performance review. What did you see there? Yeah, so um, definitely, I think um, around the performance reviews is that, you know, everyone seemed to have a, a different way of doing it, and it could have stemmed from, uh, well, most people, what they did when they started a company is they usually had started working at a prior company, and they would just borrow whatever performance reviews um, uh, that they had from their prior company, and it would be like a Word doc or an Excel file. And um, I think one of the things is that when people do these performance reviews once a year, uh, it was really hard for them to um, gauge like a, a pulse of what, how people are feeling throughout the year because at the end of the day, you know, people's emotions change all the time, uh, their performance changes all the time, the company's performance changes too. So um, it was just really lacking in terms of uh, being able to get more of an ongoing sense of how people were doing um, not only uh, performance rise, but also how they were fitting within the culture of the company. Those conversations led you on a journey uh, that has continued since you returned from your career vacation, including the launch of your organization. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, at the end of every interview, um, I would close with one question. So if I was interviewing you, I'd say, hey, Shannon, um, you know, can you tell me uh, one pain point you have when it comes to managing people that if I took away, you gladly pay for. So different people would tell me different answers, and I make these mental sticky notes as I'm interviewing these entrepreneurs. And only until I got sufficiently far away from Seattle, both time and distance, could I do something revolutionary called listen. So like no cell phones, no emails, no text messages, and just say, well, what are these people telling me, and are there any trends? And um, there was that uh, regardless of you know, where these people were located, uh, that one of the most haunting feelings is when a, a key employee says, and here's my two weeks notice out of the blue. So uh, usually people are like, what? You know, how come I didn't see that coming? Where are you going? Can I save you? Do I want to save you? And then the other shoe drops, which is, oh my gosh, I got to backfill this really critical role. And I hope that this person's an isolated incident and there's not more of a cultural issue going on. I'm going to get more two week notices uh, coming at me. So then that became um, the inspiration for Tiny Pulse. Um, so my current company, and so what we do is we help um, companies like HubSpot, uh, Living Social, uh, get a pulse on how happy, frustrated, and burnt out their employees are at work um, so that uh, the managers get a pulse of what's going on before they get these uh, two weeks' notices coming at them. As a final question, what do you hope readers will take away from reading Careercation? Yeah, so I think there's uh, two main um, uh, takeaways, I hope, is one is um, – you know, I think society, there's a lot of expectations that are heaped upon us as individuals. And one of the um, main takeaways is when I, when I was doing some research is that uh, there was this palliative care nurse who was um, interviewing people on their deathbed. And she was asking them, well, you know, what are your greatest regrets in life? And the number one regret for these people whose days were dwindling down was that they didn't have the courage to live the life that they wanted to live. Instead, they were living the life that other people expected of them and what society expected of them. So, you know, when we told people that we're going to take this career vacation and start traveling with my young family, most people thought we were crazy, like my sisters and my friends. But at the end of the day, it wasn't that bad at all. And we had a fantastic time, and we redefined what we wanted to do and what we wanted to get out of life. So I thought that was um, 
uh, a really critical lesson for, for me and I, I think a lot of other people who may get stuck in a rod or want, want to try something different, that it's okay to do something that other people might see and that, uh, you know, through that silver lining, you're going to learn a lot, push yourself and grow. And, um, you know, the second thing is just like, you know, managing people is hard. Um, so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what culture or, or, you know, where you're located. And that's okay to acknowledge that managing people is hard. But there are, there are different, uh, different ways of approaching managing uh, people than what we've done in the past. I mean, nowadays when I ask CEOs, you know, what's one of the most important competitive advantages uh, that you have uh, uh, for your organization to succeed versus your competitors? You know, it, it would probably, people culture would probably be very, very high. Um, but then if I asked the following question, I said, well, okay, that's interesting. If people and culture are very high, well, what do you do to um, uh, measure to improve that? Because we know we can't manage what we don't measure. I think um, uh, they'll say, well, you know, we do these annual surveys or we do biannual surveys. And then uh, the following question is, well, okay, well, um, how often do you look at your finance or your accounting or product or strategy? You know, there, there may be weekly meetings or monthly meetings about that. So which would, which kind of like is total opposite because they just told me that something that was more valuable, but they measure less so they can improve less. So I think, um, you know, there's definitely a, a, a sea change coming in terms of how people uh, want to acknowledge that people and culture are really important. And uh, number two is that, you know, there are different, different approaches, you know, be a tiny pulse or other philosophies around there that can, you know, help them um, improve the productivity and retention of their folks. And at the end of the day, they're going to be happier as well. David, thank you for speaking with Knowledge of Wharton about careercation today. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.